0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome on in. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast for NFL Conference Championship Weekend. We are down to four teams. We got three NFL games left. This season. Ugh, tough realization, but boy, we got some good ones ahead of us this weekend. We're going to unpack all the action for this weekend in addition to some of the latest chatter and developments on the coaching carousel. Let's start the show. <laughs> Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast for Conference Championship Weekend. I'm your host, John McEchney. That is Mario Puig. Uh Mario, before we we get into the you know, big matchups for, for this weekend, we will get into Baltimore, Kansas City, and then uh San Francisco, Detroit. Um, but any kind of big lasting takeaways that that you had uh from the divisional round?
2: Uh not really. I uh, guess you know the the buffalo Kansas City game was was a harrowing you know down to the wire kind of thing but uh i i thought it was going to go that way uh one of you know one of the few times i'm right so there was no shock there but uh there was definitely shock for me in uh, how much the ravens managed to run away from the texans like even as someone who's been pretty high on uh the Ravens this I know I've, I've been critical of like their wide receiver rotation and some of their GM moves but I really like the Ravens overall and their team that I looked at all, all along was like this this team should be really really tough to beat and so uh I I, I thought I would be inclined to to kind of uh, almost be a homer at this point but I was worried that the Texans might even not upset them I guess but make it close enough that I'd have to kind of at least like give up the the dream of, of uh, Lamar winning this year. Like, if, if they had to scrape, like, if, if the first half was also the second half, I would be mm-hmm. a lot, um, like, even more dreary, uh, feeling at this point in time. But, um, it was, I guess, to me, a little bit heartening to see the Ravens kind of take care of things that well. And, um, it would have been nicer yet if it didn't come down to, again, Lamar Jackson going completely insane. But, you know he he does that enough, and if if they can beat a team like the Texans to that extent, then um, maybe they really do have a shot. Then
1: uh, I think so. You know, we'll 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 see about it. That this weekend, you know, Patrick Mahomes is uh you know to reference John Wick, he is the Baba Yaga, he is the boogeyman. Um, so that it's going to be uh, tough to to beat him, of course. But um, you know, I think the the teams that lost on. On Saturday, both both the Texans and the Packers they both have to be really happy with how the this oh, yeah. season went. I mean, you you know for a fact that you have your your franchise quarterback of the future. Um, you know the Packers have moved on from uh, Joe Barry. Um, but th- that that was... Packers one, I, I I will say the Packers one is a little bit worse
2: in that they probably uh, maybe not would have definitely won the game, but they definitely couldn't have lost the way they did if. Gudekunst just had a, t- a basically competent process for uh picking a kicker for the team like spending a draft pick on Carlson and then he's he's also like a 25-year-old just can't kick the ball rookie and that's that's a uh, that's how you go uh, you know losing by 3 that way that they did uh it's like that that one sucks the the Texans apparently didn't really have much of a shot if only because of you know how many injuries they had but uh, man, Packers really kind of should have won that game and they um, wouldn't have won the Super Bowl more than likely. But if if maybe maybe not, maybe you know, they 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 almost beat the 49ers who look pretty much like the best team in the league. You know, if it wasn't for a, a bum kicker, they, they really might have done it.
1: So I, I'm looking, at, you know, because I'm I'm inclined to. Uh, kind of give some deference to to the Carlson boys. Um, you know the, the, the one, yeah, yeah. D- uh, Daniel's great, but it, I kind of figured Anders w- was pretty good too. You know, from my from you know what what little I've watched of Auburn the, these last couple of years, I haven't been uh, super watchable. You know, especially under the under the Brian Harson uh, regime. But yeah, looking at Carlson's stats in college. 70 70 as a field goal kicker his last he doesn't even year really have a big range either or at least his
2: range has never been harnessed like his career long is 53 yards or something like that so uh making it from 53 but with uh, an extra 10 of it would have been good from this doesn't really matter if he's never actually made that kick from that distance and he never has uh he can't kick uh you know at least brett maher you know he can't make an extra point but he can uh, never miss from 55 or longer like that's right. kind of cool carlson's just like doesn't even do anything
1: yeah you, you gotta have like the the dude perfect trick shot uh in, in your bag and they drafted him the in the Maher sixth does. round like you couldn't
2: find a kicker this bad and uh just you know uh undrafted
1: just just look at the undrafted kickers and just pick any of them mm-hmm. be that good probably um, anyway yeah the the carlson name is um has been sullied i, I would say Um, but, uh, beyond that, um, they'll they'll get the kicking stuff figured out. They have an amazing, like young core of, of skill talent and and Jordan love looks like the real deal. So, I mean, that can't take too much away from it and, uh, the defense hopefully will will be better under the tutelage and guidance. If they
2: get Jim Leonard, it definitely would be,
1: I've, we've been wish casting that for like seven years at this point. So I don't understand why it hasn't happened. It's just,
2: it it's obvious that leonard is the real deal in my opinion
1: yeah he, he was just too loyal of a badger for first of yeah. all he wanted to, to to see how far that road would go um but before departing ways uh in madison um tampa is kind of a confusing one um I, I, yeah they were a surprise team they were they were sort of like the the odd man out as far as like you're, you're looking at the teams that were playing last weekend and it's like tampa bay's there huh well you know, that Baker obviously had a bit of a renaissance this year. They're, they're going to have to push forward with, with, uh, no, uh, Canales, the, the offensive coordinator. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit more later. But, um, yeah, that as long as you're in the NFC South, I feel like you have a pretty good chance, uh, you know, get, given the, um, lack of direction for teams like Atlanta, New Orleans, and then, of course, oh my God, the, uh, the, the Saints never fired, uh, Dennis Allen, did they? No, oh they sure God. didn't. I believe that they, they got rid of Pete Carmichael,
2: though. I'm going to tilt about that the rest of the show.
1: Um, okay, sorry, continue. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, re- rounding it out, I guess that the Bills probably face the, the biggest kind of existential crisis of, of any team that that lost last weekend because they, they just can't get over the hump. This is two years in a row now, or three years in a row now, um, in which they haven't advanced past the divisional round. They had the home game this time. They played a good game. Uh, they were obviously beat up, so you know, like you, you know, you you have to factor that in, but it's not much in the way of solace, uh, given that they're not playing that this weekend. So,
2: and that um, fake punt, dude. I mean, <laughs> that's. I, I feel like the second that the Bills fired Ken Dorsey, it should have been one of those deals with McDermott, where it's like, fine, you can fire him, but you have to beat the Chiefs this year. or We're firing you, especially mm-hmm. if in a couple of weeks it turns out you had some. Uh, goofy 9-11 quote that uh, makes everybody really mad for two months um, yeah that that in the then the fake punt it, see that fake punt thing to me is why that was the the bills versus chiefs game where it it was the closest they've been in the one where if, if you were going to say they should have won one of those it would have been this one because it's, it's just like if they just hadn't done that they did something better they might have had just enough to win and uh, whereas the other instance it's kind of like you know i would say it was more just like Mahomes going too crazy on them for them to have much chance to do about it but uh anyway um i guess if they're running it back with mcdermott they should more or less end up in the same place next year i guess it's just like how many times do you want that to happen before it's not enough it's surprising that it's not already
1: the case it's interesting like that there's a couple of afc teams that that are kind of just in this weird like level of purgatory like like the steelers for example like they're never going to be bad enough to like get a franchise-altering draft pick, right? But they're never going yeah. to be good enough to get out of the first round. And they're just they just need
2: stuck. to fire Mike Tomlin so they can get a high draft pick. And they, they uh, kind
1: of do, yes, anyway. be- because like you know,
2: be- beyond that, um, that's the best case, by the way, for having Mike Tomlin fired. You'll see a lot of other ones; those are stupid. This this is the closest you get to a, to a good reason for firing him,
1: because you know, they, there's something we said for seemingly like with, with the Pittsburgh mystique like oh we, we don't fire coaches but like Tomlin's been there long enough that I think to, to where you you can move on like uh, a oh, yeah. yeah. coach there longer than uh than than Cower uh I don't know
2: I can't Cower was the the one before Tomlin right like they went from yeah. Cower to Tomlin um that was what was that like 2008 or something uh um, seven was his first season Cower is probably more tenured but only probably like three years or something
1: Got it. I'm just—I don't know—that they're just going to be too dang competent uh, under under Tomlin. You need you need to blow they the need whole thing. A, up. A
2: compromise proposal, John. Mm-hmm. Um, don't fire Tomlin, but do make Trubisky the starting quarterback
1: again. There it is. That there's a you. path to the tankaroni. And, and then you can get whoever the big deal at quarterback is uh, next year. Not, i don't think next year's class is going to be quite like this one, but. Time will, of course, tell. Um, but let's uh, let's go ahead. Let's uh, push forward uh, into this weekend's games. Before we do that, we got a message from our friends over at Circa. Get ready for the ultimate big game parties at Circa Resort and Casino. Super Sunday is in Las Vegas this year. Watch the big game poolside at Stadium Swim's big game viewing party. Massive screen, booming game sound, and a view of the pyrotechnic and visual effects throughout the game. Snag the best seat in the sun with daybeds, poolside boxes, cabanas, and more. Or touchdown at the world's largest sports book, Circa Sports, for the Big Game Bash. Three stories of football glory featuring a 78 million pixel screen. Book your seat with a variety of reservation options, including bottle service, open bar, stadium-style food, and more. Don't miss these legendary viewing experiences on February 11th. It's coming up It's a couple weeks from now on February 11th. The big game parties only at Circa Resort and Casino. Reserved today at CircaLasVegas.com. All right, Mario, we are on to the AFC Championship game. Uh, I think at least one of the, the two hosts on this show is going to be in the house for this game. Are you going?
2: <laughs> uh, no, I don't go anywhere for anything, John. But um, I, guess the, I guess this would have been one of those cases if I had, though i'll be there you by contrast uh, are literally every every uh historical like every historically significant like headlining photo captured at a at a big uh ravens game in the past 20 years like john is in it just at various points of his life and it's uh yeah hopefully when when uh john is in uh the background of whatever picture ends up in the newspapers uh after this game is is something
1: um you know, in our case, we want to see uh, the, the Ravens winning. Me running up and stealing the Lamar Hunt Trophy or something. Um, but you should uh, see if uh, maybe Stav will recognize you in the crowd. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I've seen him since I grew the mustache. Like I, I, I saw like two or three of it. No, I, I have. I saw him in Atlanta like last year. So uh, he, so he you should recognize the mustache this quite a while, and have seen stuff like ten times. So uh, one of them true. must have hit. But yes, stavy Baby is is Baltimore's answer to Taylor Swift, of course. Um, you know, very equal levels of, of um, pop culture significance and uh, you know relevance and how they got there and, and all and that good stuff. And it, it, talent, absolutely. Um, but as far as this game is concerned, um, kind of interesting. I'm, I'm seeing some four point spread uh in this one which, which is a little bit higher than than uh i'd love to believe this but i don't
2: know yeah i um i'd love to believe that the ravens are are set up that well but to me this is like a, a f- coin flip kind of thing i don't know uh it's just that's just kind of the um the level of deference that mahomes i, I think has earned at this point
1: uh, i mean i think that that's fair so it opened at three and a half in favor of the Ravens was initially bet down to chiefs plus three and then has uh, moved back up to three and a half throughout the course of the week. And then as of uh, today, like this afternoon, actually it's, it's now sitting at four points on the DraftKings King sports book that the total has been stable at 44 and a half. And the, the money line odds have, have of course uh, shifted a little bit now to where Ravens are minus minus one ninety two uh, The chiefs are, plus 160 so that's different than the plus 150 that they opened at um but I mean I think this is going to be a defensive battle um I think the, the Ravens defense versus the Chiefs offense especially in this iteration of the Chiefs offense like I don't know I, I kind of do give the the Ravens an edge in, in that facet of the game uh, the defense effectively, you know, did did a lot to win the game for, for Baltimore last week. I don't think te- the Texans had a single drive that that went inside the 25-yard line. Um your guy Steven Sims uh ran, ran a punt back for for the one. I was like,
2: why now? Why does <laughs> why is this when he comes back? No. And uh luckily that was it though.
1: Yeah, that 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 was, but boy, that that did have me rattled there for for a bit. I was
2: feeling like God was like
1: reaching in
2: to time and space to just like choke me in that moment <laughs> i was just like this is this feels written to me
1: that <laughs> that was, that was like obviously... bad. this is what i get now because it had been like a couple of years since i'd even heard the name steven sims and i was like where do where do i remember him from like, oh, i knew where he yeah. was but uh i wasn't expecting
2: him to uh at a time like that do something by the way though i am not going to lose uh the opportunity here to hype steven sims again give my guy a shot just
1: not you know against the ravens i guess yeah guess not but you know next year i think that that'll at least get him get him a job so for, much better than noah year. brown and i am not kidding i am not kidding even one bit kansas needs more uh representation in the nfl so yeah. go, go on stevenson you know but... eric king yeah. <laughs> yeah mangino was a king um but Let's see. Beyond that, I was talking about the defense. Um, as far as the the offense is concerned, I think a lot of people are pointing to, um, you, you know, the Chiefs have not been great on paper against the run that, this year. The Ravens obviously like that. That is kind of their, their bread and butter. They'll be getting Mark Andrews back this week. We expect um, so that adds an, another weapon up the seam. Of course, um, I, I thought that last week. It, you know, the numbers showed that Lamar had some success against the blitz, but there were a lot of times, especially in the, in the first half that they, they adjusted well in the second half. I, I think there there's credit to, to be given to, to Monk in there for, for yeah. keeping Lamar more upright. But, um, second quarter that the, um, Texas pass rush was, was absolutely getting home and just blowing plays up. So I, I do They're wonder, good. yes, that they, they are like, we we talked about how talented that, that front is and how kind of underrated it is. You know, it's, it's more than just Will Anderson, but when, when it comes to the, the chiefs, um, you know, do you expect Spagnola to, to dial up a, a lot of blitzes and kind of test that theory as as to whether Lamar really is uh, that good against the blitz?
2: Yeah, I'd expect that um, basically Spagnola will try to do in this game what McDonald for the Ravens does as just like a standard practice, which is um, not just blitzing, but more specifically uh, a simulated pressure, which is not... Like it might get categorized as a blitz by some people tabulating it, but it's not necessarily a blitz in the sense of like sending an extra rusher. You might send one fewer, one less rusher uh, than normal. And it would be a simulated pressure. If it's basically just that the pre snap look is not what you get post snap. And it'll often be in the form of like this 270 pound defensive end guy is actually slipping out to be a robber in like the flat or near the flats or something like that. And um, if the quarterback doesn't notice that he did, you know, something post snap differently than in what he was presenting pre-snap, he might kind of just get a totally wrong picture of how the, how the field is developing and how, how his routes are going to fit into the defense. So yeah, it's not just that the Ravens or chiefs have good coverage personnel, though. That's definitely the case they have so much deception going on that it it always adds like buffering time to the quarterback's ability to process what's going on, or it it makes the quarterback just sort of have to guess and make a decision and hope that they don't guess wrong uh, about where any given defender is going to go after the snap and where their receiver is going to be relative to the defense. So um, I guess um, I will say, I, I do think it's it's, a, it's like a dangerous spot for Lamar and the Ravens' offense. I, I feel like I uh, feel that way about a lot of games, though, just because I I still don't think their surrounding personnel is that great, especially after, you know... This would have been a great game to have J.K. Dobbins, because, like you were kind of saying before, the Chiefs' run defense is more vulnerable than their pass defense. Their pass defense, I would say, uh, is sooner something like top... I don't know, five-ish than, like, top 15. Maybe it's more like eight or something, but Sneed and McDuffie... Are very good and spagnolo has the liberty of of deploying them both wherever he wants whenever he wants so getting a read on a tendency against the chiefs defense is not easy and that's that's without spagnolo deliberately trying to you know add deception to to the to the scheming so it would be nice in a matchup like this against a defense like this to just say to hell with it. We're not going to try to figure out your coverages. We're just going to run it down your throat. Cause you can't stop us. But, um, as much as I like Gus Edwards, I don't know if he is on that level, at least at this point as a runner. And I you know no, Justin, H- justice Hill is not, uh, Dalvin Cook it, He's playing the so, best ball of
1: his, of his career right now though. I, I, I will say,
2: yeah, he's made, uh, he had the one big game and he, he's had a couple good passing plays, but, uh, I don't know. It's, it, to me, it's like a low bar thing, and and um, he just should be able to do more. I think, but uh, I'd love to be proven wrong because if he if he has a big game here, that would go a long way toward getting the
1: Ravens a win. I, I think so too. Um, I think if he didn't wear number forty three, uh, people would think he's cooler. That would probably help him too. Like I think uh, having
2: a bad number aesthetic really is a curse. Like forty three, the worst one's forty six. Uh, second worst is 49 or 43, but you, if you have that number, you are probably not going to have uh, success on the field as a running back. It's just, a, uh, it's kind of like a gravity
1: type law. Yeah, uh, I agree. And, you know, sky Moore on the other side, wearing 24 as a receiver. I think that's a big reason it doesn't help. he hasn't panned out. Yeah. Um, but you know, beyond that, you know, you, you mentioned the, the corner personnel, um for, for kansas city but you know what are your thoughts on the safety personnel because i, I do think that you know like what one-to-one the, the corners for casey have the advantage over the, the baltimore receivers but uh i do kind of think that baltimore is an edge as far as the tight end personnel matchup wise against those safeties
2: yeah i kind of wish that the ravens had more time to work with both andrews and likely at the same time because they should find a way to make that their base offense i think like if uh if um i don't know if they're going to have like nelson Aguilar in the slot or or likely in the slot or andrews i don't know have likely be in line i don't care just either likely or andrews seems like a much better use of a, a slot rep to me than than agalor uh cuz likely's done you know really big impact stuff for them i mean his ability to catch anything that's anywhere near him is big it it, it makes his uh lack of separation kind of like a moot detail and even though he lacks speed still he is kind of uh shifty after the catch so he he can he can function at a, at least two levels andrews can function uh more downfield it, it's it's tough to defend and it does i think lend toward easier run setups but uh yeah the the chiefs defense uh at safety i guess i gotta actually check to see sometimes guys like get hurt and rotate out and i don't know so mike it, edwards is
1: do. questionable i'm sorry what was that uh, so Mike
2: Edwards, uh, who, okay, questionable, uh, okay. Um, so they have three guys who play a lot, and I, I'm trying to see if uh, one of them's on IR or something that would be Brian
1: Cook. Uh, yes, he is on me. IR,
2: so yeah, they, they, I think the rate, uh, the Chiefs like to play a lot of three safety stuff between Reed, Edwards, and Cook. Uh, for about two months now, they haven't been able to do that with Cook. And if if Edwards is out for this game, I don't. I don't know if it would be Chamari Connor or the, uh, that Miami safety that the, the Dion Bush, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess Connor's played a lot more lately. So maybe Connor would be the next guy up and I don't really, don't really know that much about him. Honestly, was he not a corner at Virginia tech or was he drafted as a safety? Um, uh, yeah. I don't really remember Connor honestly. So uh, he might be a downgrade from Edwards. He might not be, uh, don't really know there, but I, I wonder it might be a, a, bit of a, you know, a general drag on Spagnolo at this point to, uh, if he has this, you know, initial inclination of playing a lot of three safety and now he's just pretty much only playing two, uh, I guess they could probably have drew tranquil play a lot of safety, like snaps also is the other things so they'll probably be fine. But, uh, yeah, not having Edwards, not having cook, uh, it makes them, uh, it, it you know, taxes their bandwidth a little tiny bit. It's it's uh, particularly given the the kind of tight ends that the Ravens have. Assuming Andrews is back, um, the the safety personnel situation might be something the Ravens can take advantage of. It's definitely a hell of a lot easier than going at Snead or McDuffie.
1: Right. That that's that's kind of my thought there. Um, Munken, his background, and you talked about it a lot in the, in the preseason, the off season. You know, kind of analyzing what what the shape of. Ah, uh, the Baltimore offense would be, and you know, I, I've said that Munkin was, if nothing else, like extremely pragmatic during his time yeah. at Georgia. Like he, he really used the tight ends. He, that Georgia didn't have like a ton of star power at, at receiver, but they had Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington, and they just clubbed people with that. So a, a yeah, and then with the the Ravens, this,
2: sorry, was, uh, the Ravens this year, he's generally used more of like a three wide kind of inclination, but I I really think he should. If only, yeah, if, if if he needs the the Georgia offense as a reminder, it's like actually maybe you should just ride it with two tight ends if, if uh you know one one of them's just big enough that outside linebackers don't really want to take him on as a blocker and just athletic enough as a pass catcher to uh get past them. You know, that's it's gonna make everything easier, easier to run. You you cannot it's not just gonna, I think. Uh, help the effectiveness of play action it's like you can set up more play action looks from from that kind of personnel so uh just just because it's more like a conventional run kind of look when you have two tight ends on the field so yeah i i really hope uh, like I, I hope they don't need time to, to to work it out you know like sometimes when you change things a little it takes like a couple weeks to get everybody rolling but if it's not going to have an adjustment period then i would like to see a two tight end base for that offense
1: I would as well. So, what we'll see if Munken has that uh, in his back pocket for Sunday. Let's flip field. Um, how are how are the Chiefs looking offensively against this Ravens defense?
2: So, uh, I know I'd said at the you know when we started talking about this game, I said I kind of just have to give Mahomes you know a a, a pick them kind of level of respect, even even if it's uh, three or four in the books. With that said, I don't have an immediate theory for you of like how Mahomes is supposed to do so great in this game. I, I I'm not fully convinced that Kelsey's really that, you know. At least not in the sense of being back to 2022 uh, 20, levels. Like maybe he is, maybe there was just kind of an inexplicable slump. Maybe he's feeling a little bit more spry after the rest last week. I have no idea what it is, but uh I, I think um Kelsey if he drifts back to the sort of level of production that he's had most of this year, that would really put the chiefs in a difficult spot because I I don't know how much you can bank on Pacheco doing a good job or uh, having good production here. He'll do a good job. Pacheco uh, always does a good job, of course, but I don't know, especially if Thuni is, is it Thuny? I don't know how to say his name. Actually. Uh, It it seems like it's, I'll switch uh, it up. I'll just, I'll just just go ahead. Uh, Joe Thune, if he can't play, uh, it, it would it would make things more difficult yet for Pacheco. So, uh, if Pache- Pacheco having a spree of good games here has also played a part in the Chiefs kind of making their uh, resurgence. So, if if the gains that Kelsey and Pacheco have made lately uh, are subject to any decrease here, uh, I guess it's possible that Rice and and the other receivers could step up and make up the difference. But it would be challenging, especially for the other receivers part. Uh yeah, not just Pacheco and uh Kelsey having good games last week, you know, bigger better games than most of their weeks this year. The maybe the more crucial X factor yet was that Marcus Valdez Scantling got going deep. And yes. you know, I was saying all week like they need to get Hardman going deep, but uh if, if they if Marcus Valdez Scantling can get going deep, then that's enough. You know, I, my my whole concern was like unlocking the downfield game. And it's not just that you know, those 60 yards make a big difference in the, you know, the, the, the field positioning and the points probability It's that once you land that one deep shot to a guy like Valdez Gantling or whoever's fast enough to get that far, the defense will play you differently the rest of the game. Like they're, they're right. not going to crash down as hard. It's, it's, they just won't. So uh, yeah, when you get that big play, it really does kind of create the scenario where you sort of can get everything rolling in every Everything that gets rolling lends, you know, some support to some other part of your team and everything just kind of seems like it's everything's hitting at the same time. And it's more like, no, you just had this one bum wheel holding you back the whole time. And it's like it's just, you know, the whole field is yours now once you unlock that part of it.
1: Yeah, it, that that was a uh, a concerning development for for me uh, to see yeah. that um, that they were able to get that going a little bit.
2: Hopefully, yeah, hopefully Valdez-Scantling uh, used his last, you know, his last wind of the season in that one because, um, yeah, if, if they can get going deep, I really do think that is the key to get Mahomes going in, in more the, you know, the fashion we're used to seeing.
1: I guess when I come down on it and, you know, you can accuse me of viewing this through purple and black glasses, but kind of a similar setup to Super Bowl, uh, 2020 when they played the bucks um where where the defense just flustered um Kansas City offensively throughout the entirety of the game there's some frustrating drops of course uh dur- during the course of that one but uh, I think to to beat the chiefs it's hard to beat them just going shot for shot with, with Mahomes you need to make stuff happen on, on the defensive side and I I think that the way that the Ravens defense has played this year I I, I do kind of anticipate that being uh, the the deciding factor in this one. Very excited uh, in terms of like in-game matchups to, to see Hamilton versus Travis Kelsey.
2: It'd help if Humphrey is back for this one. And I guess it's, it's looking decent, but uh, yeah, that it really, you know, would be a, a, a reassurance if he could be back
1: and be himself. Yeah, he, it's been kind of a, a lost year for him. He, he had the, the foot injury late, late in training camp and then um, just kind of Falls over. Uh, I think it was against Miami with, with the calf injury that, that obviously kept him out um, last week. So he was limited to, to get back uh, yesterday, but he was uh, on the practice field. So we'll, we'll be paying attention to those injury reports uh, all the way through Friday afternoon. But all right, Mario, let's uh, let's get a prediction here. We, we got the Ravens minus four, the over under at forty four and a half. What's what's up?
2: Hmm. Uh I'll say uh, Ravens
1: 27-24. I I had Ravens 27 as well. Uh I give me the Chiefs 17.
2: An an
1: emphatic win for for our uh Baltimore Ravens. We we need to see it. We Need to. Um let's see. Let let's uh let's push on over to the NFC. Um Championship game. But before then, we got a message from our friends over at FanDuel. Tackle millions in prizes all playoffs long in FanDuel fantasy contests. If you're new to fantasy, there's no better time to get in on the action because right now, new customers get a 100% deposit match up to $100. It's free money. Playing fantasy for huge cash prizes on FanDuel is both fun and exciting. Just draft your lineup and watch your team move up the leaderboard Mario. I know, I know it's just Thursday, but any inklings on, on, uh, on your builds for, for DFS this week, Let, let's, uh, let's scale it out to the, the main slate where, where you got both games going.
2: Yeah. So, uh, I was just talking a little bit about how I'm not convinced Travis Kelsey gets back to, uh, you know, the 2022 levels. Like it, it seemed last week like he might be back there, but, uh, this going on the road to Baltimore, playing the Baltimore defense. I think that means we're more likely to see the, the 2023 Kelsey for the most part. And uh, if so, and, and given the prices, it might be better to target uh, George Kittle among the expensive tight ends, you know, that Detroit San Francisco game, at least for the 49ers part anyway, should have more scoring, you know, than uh, the the, the Baltimore Kansas city game. So maybe I'm, I'm kind of following chalk reasoning or something, but uh higher over under lower price. I think, I think I'd try to go at a, you know, the, the 49ers pass catchers basically. And, uh, as opposed to the chiefs ones.
1: And, and do you think that there there's an, and we'll obviously un, unpack this here uh, soon, but you know, any sort of just general target uptick for guys like Kelsey, given that the Debo Samuel's looking a little bit iffy.
2: Um, yeah, uh if if Debo is out, I would even think that Kittle and Ayuk are pretty close to the sort of uh you know, I hesitate to use the term. I'm certainly capable of being wrong, but they're close to must plays for me if uh Debo is out, especially if the Detroit defense manages to keep McCaffrey under hundred yards rushing, then there should be a you know more slack than usual for the passing game in forty nine and the 49ers offense and if there is one of their leading targets missing, that that just could be like a disproportionate amount of the slack falling on Ayuk, Kittle, and maybe even Jawan John, uh, Jawan Jennings. If you you want to find like a, a cheaper way to get a piece of the 49ers offense, yeah, but, yeah, I've been going back
1: and forth on on my uh, interest in in Jennings for for this week. He's the,
2: good, in my guy. opinion.
1: He's- it was mind boggling to see Chris Conley do something last week too. I was like, oh my God, he's Yeah, he's okay. a
2: little harder to sign off on Conley, but I guess if you're <laughs> if you're feeling crazy or something.
1: And then one more uh lineup construction um quick question, on a slate as short as this one, with the tight end power uh that that there is across each of these teams, really. Um any objection or hesitancy to, to using a tight end in your flex this week? I guess it's
2: it's kind of been a favorable season for the the tight end flex play in DFS. But uh, as much as I, I guess, if I was picking one, it would probably be Andrews. Uh, sorry, in addition to Kittle, I mean, it would probably <laughs> be Andrews. But uh, overall projection, I'm probably giving the second spot to Kelsey. But when when you're adjusting for price, it seems to me uh, Andrews. Though there's the the rust concern and just I guess general concern about. Um, you know how, how easily he'll he'll jump back into the offense. We know he has major upside, and if he's not priced as a major upside player, uh, whereas of course Kelsey is, there might be a little bit more opportunity in in the Andrews case. And uh, you know, in a two game slate, you might as well use pretty much exclusively tournament logic with what you're building. Uh, the idea of playing you know cash game logic in a in a two game slate is is it's tougher to make it work because. Uh, so many people are going to have
1: whatever lineup you're thinking of, given the inherent you know shortage of alternatives. No, yeah, exactly. And then for for those uh, keeping score at home, Travis Kelsey priced at 7,200 on FanDuel this week. George Kittle 6,600. Andrews down there at 5,700, and then Isaiah Likely down there at 5,400 as well. Moving on, plus on FanDuel. You can choose from full slate contests featuring multiple games, single game contests. So if you just like the, the options from the AFC, or the NFC championship game, you can rock with that. Also got season long best ball contests, beginner only contests, which are great for learning the ropes and more. And when you win, you get paid instantly. Love that. So kick off football season and the playoffs with 100% deposit match up to $100. Go to fanduel.com to start playing for huge cash prizes today. we know that the Niners could basically have a a residency uh, in in this weekend o- over the last few years, but this is a this is the first one for the Lions since what the is it the the first George Bush administration? Do they make it to the <laughs> NFC Championship game?
2: I don't even know what. Sorry, they got to the NFC Championship ever? I, I, maybe I don't I'm, think they ever have. have. Wow! I mean, I I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe they did at some point. I feel like I, I have trouble. Uh, you mean the, the time they made the playoffs at all right or won the playoffs or, i right? mean i guess
1: it's it's got a playoff win I, I yeah because that's with all the way
2: game. that's going back to like 93 or whatever uh maybe it was one of the scott mitchell uh honeymoon phase seasons i can't remember <laughs> but uh, yeah it's been a lot of you know bleak times before and after for, for the lions uh once basically once like herman moore and barry sanders where where uh actually they, they kind of like they landed in hell basically when Herman Moore got hurt because then it was just Barry Sanders left, and obviously Barry left at a twenty-nine or whatever he did.
1: And uh, uh, to, to your point earlier about me being at all these historical events, I was in the house for Barry Sanders's last game. We didn't know it at the time. I'm sorry, that was in Baltimore. It was. It, that was before they instituted the division only last week. Isn't that weird? Oh man, that's funny. <laughs> um, yeah,
2: that, add that to the list. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's uh it might not be obvious to people who aren't Lions fans, uh you know, especially if they're they're younger, or whatever, to, to have seen the way those those fans were being so. Um, it might have seemed a little over the top, but it's like you got to understand, it, it basically wasn't, you know, they they really it was a rapturous uh, occasion for them because it it, it felt before that point. F- it didn't it didn't just feel like Uh, it, it didn't just feel like they were in hell they actually were there uh up until that point so um and for such a long time you know it's like uh 30 what is that two years just i can't do yeah, number long things things yeah so that's that's uh that's a long time and it, it was it was sincere i do i do got to say they're lucky they didn't get uh karmically uh, uh busted because of uh, booing stafford like some of their fans were booing stafford that was stupid it's like a, like it, it, the team traded him. Like, what do you want? Like, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't demand to go exactly. They were just kind of going to trade him anyway because they were trying to rebuild that way. And uh, right. you know, Stafford played with enough broken bones in his spine enough times for you guys. Like, you know, just mm-hmm. be happy for him and hope you get you know the, the same good fortune that he had a couple of years ago. So, um, with that said, the Lions will not, in my opinion, be uh, getting their Super Bowl this year or you know, in my opinion, any anytime that they have Jared Goff at quarterback, but I would love to be wrong. I, I am a huge fan of Dan Campbell. I'd like a lot of the guys with the, the lions, Aaron Glenn fan. Uh, so yeah, I'd like to see them make it, get, get the win here. Hopefully the the Packers kind of like softened up the 49ers a little bit, but I doubt it. I think, uh, I think goof comes back to town uh, as he is prone to, in in you know, truly high stakes, high difficulty situations.
1: Yeah, like my my, my thought th- this time a week ago was that the Lions would win and then get boat raced by by the 49ers th- this coming weekend. But then you know the weekend unfolds the way it does, where the Niners look a little bit shaky. Debo Samuel comes out of that game, and the Lions. I mean, it wasn't like a, a total you know beat down, but that game was a lot closer and more competitive than they controlled. Should it. have been, yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, it was still it, in the balance enough. Uh, to where it's not like a, a total Sam Duck win, but they got the win. So, yeah, you know, taking nothing away for, from that, for, for as far as the lines are concerned. But, you know, for as shaky as, as the Niners might have looked last week, I think that 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 was, some, that was a low you know, point. Just, yeah, that, that's shaking off some cobwebs. Like I think, on balance, over the course of the season, they've been the best team in football, and I, I think that uh, that they, they put a pretty stout reminder. the rest of the of the league about that this weekend yeah I
2: guess I I gotta say though if Samuel is out not that I would change my pick or anything but I did the very least give the Lions a better chance to cover because I don't think Brock Purdy is that good and when you take that yards after the catch off the field you necessarily make Purdy throw farther downfield and he's certainly willing you know and and uh in terms of of anticipation and poise capable but even the throws that were landing to Juan Jennings over the middle of the field were you know really close to going badly a and b were also really improbably good plays from Jennings who's uh you know he's 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 a monster in uh, traffic basically uh both before and after the catch so um that that was those were really big plays crucial to their catching back up but the offense was not effective, in their their passing offense was not effective in that game. And there were a lot of, there were a lot of plays where Purdy was throwing ugly passes that could have gone, you know, more to the the fortune of the Packers with a, with a little uh, a step here or there different by the de, by the defense. So, I uh, I don't think the Lions' defense is the one to uh you know get the better of of Purdy with or without Samuel. But uh, if Samuel is there, then I have like you know i I retract any uh concerns or whatever because there's a certain just automatic yards after the catch detail with samuel involved and um it's just it it makes things so much easier for a quarterback when you can put eight targets on a guy or more uh who will always give you something like nine yards after the catch per catch and Mm -hmm. uh yeah i just don't think you know Jen- jennings is good in my opinion but he's he's more likely a good backup than a capable
1: starter really yeah like it, he'll, he'll he can give you what like 70 75 of, percent of the debo rep over yeah i
2: could see jennings having you know some big games in the nfl as a starter it's just you're sort of banking on him hitting more of his upper range outcomes to make that happen whereas debo it's sort of just like a it's like an everyday occurrence for him to have games of that caliber.
1: So uh, let, let's play around with the idea of, of Debo Samuel not playing or, or playing on, on a very limited kind of pitch count. Um, you know, what, what do you expect from as far as the matchups go with, with Ayuk against his secondary and, and, um, and George Kittle, and then w- would Shanahan kind of adjust and maybe like have some McCaffrey, like split out, Type, but like is similar to Debo Samuel type of role to, to kind of like make up for that difference. I think you could
2: uh, maybe suspect a higher than usual pass catching workload for McCaffrey here, if only because it's probably a little easier to get him in space as a pass catcher against the lions than as a runner. Like they tend to be pretty stout between the tackles and um, not that the 49ers can't win there. I mean, they, they tend to overrule, you know, even, even strong run defenses, but, Uh, It's still just probably easier, in my opinion, to get McCaffrey going as 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 like a, you know, in space, however you need to do it, either screens or splitting out wide, whatever. And in any case, I think the way you want to attack the Lions defense is by testing their really bad cornerback personnel. And uh, they lack starters. They lack depth. Uh, I know Brian Branch is having a good rookie season, but he's I don't know what. It's not a huge deal in my opinion. Like he's a slot defender. He doesn't cover downfield. It's, it's not
1: like Sauce Gardner last year or anything.
2: No, and uh crucially it's like branch like all of their corners is only at his best uh at the intermediate or or shallower than that. And if they have to run downfield, they kind of are just toast if if uh the passer if the quarterback has enough time to to set up for the receiver downfield and I don't see, uh, I don't see the Detroit pass rush getting a be- uh, the better of the 49ers offensive line. So this should be a game where Brandon Ayuk has more time than usual to get open against corners who are much worse than what he tends to see. And uh, yeah, that's why you know we were talking about the, the the Fanduel thing. I do think Ayuk is. I might consider Ayuk a must play, regardless of what's going on with Debo. Honestly, because I I can see. Um, now, even if Debo is active, it's like him and Ayuk could be the first and second leading receivers in this slate, uh, just given how easy their matchup is and how comparatively tougher it is to run on the Lions uh, than to throw. So uh, I, yeah, I think how in can a lot of ways is like a total nightmare matchup for the Detroit defense right now. It, it's like right. the kind of thing that could get
1: out of hand. So uh, I. There's the downfield detail with, with Ayuk, but do you think, with the way that uh, the the Lions' pass rush has been running pretty hot the, these last few weeks, that if they get Purdy off his spot, if they, if they're getting home, if they're hurrying up his his reads and everything, that that could kind of negate that. Is that like the, really the only way that the Lions can uh, you know kind of chalk up a, a win defensively? Is just yeah, pass rush. Well. I think
2: they need to confuse Purdy or kind of trick Purdy into doing something that he shouldn't. And that's why Debo's presence is important to me as far as that goes, because it's like you need a certain amount of yardage on any given play. Debo Samuel can get you that yardage without the quarterback having to strain in any way. You know? Yeah, you you get it from the line of scrimmage. Yeah, if, if the quarterback has to make a calculation or if the quarterback has to make a more difficult throw, then even if purdy almost always gets it done and the the alternative it's there's still more risk than in the first case so um i think aaron glenn is a is a really good defensive coordinator and he's a really good defensive backs coach there's like there's a sliver of a chance that aaron glenn does come up with something that it would have to be zone coverage based like there's just no way that they can cover with man coverage personnel. And I think Purdy last week really struggled with the zones that Green Bay was running. Like a lot of those ugly throws that he was lucky were not turnovers, were against zones specifically. And he was he was just kind of fortunate in a lot of cases that some linebacker who was standing like two yards away from where the ball landed. And like there was no receiver around on a bunch of them. And that the defender would be like two feet away, two yards, maybe I should say. And uh, but they were like twisted in the opposite direction or like they had to stop the direction they were running. So they started stumbling, trying to reach back for the ball, stuff like that. So if you can set up that same look, but just have your guy in the right place that time, then it's an interception. And maybe, you know, one, you're taking back a good distance. So as much as I think the 49ers have the easy advantage over the coverage personnel, uh, Shanahan, in my opinion, should still go to the usual um take the usual measures to give Purdy cover just because it's he is one of those guys who when he, when he starts falling off of his rhythm, he becomes very turnover prone. Like he, he won't, he won't get, he won't get skittish in the way that like a quarterback gets scared. It's like, he'll just kind of have a thing that's giving him a problem in the game and he'll keep going back at it full speed over and over. Cause that's just kind of, you know, he's competitive that way. But, um, yeah if you if you can make him guess wrong and if 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 Shanahan leaves Purdy too exposed you know, you just don't want to turn the ball especially in the playoffs I mean it's like you it's so often the story of how a team loses a game they shouldn't have it's like well we had this anomalous uh interception or two that happens like you cannot have the interception or two against these corners. You, you just can't do it. Um, One way I meant I, I to, I should have said before you were asking about Kittle, this should be a really big Kittle game. I think, especially if he out, but even if not, if I have to predict who the Mark for Shanahan is in the front seven, I would assume it's Jack Campbell. And to me, Jack Campbell is clearly a deficient processor at linebacker because basically Jack Campbell is huge and extremely athletic for a linebacker. And yet at Iowa, a school where, like, they have they have like three guys with double digit tackles for loss every year at linebacker. He's the only one I can remember. We're talking about like going back to guys like Abdul Hodge or whatever. Uh, just <laughs> all of them finished years with like seventeen tackles for a loss, whereas Campbell never made plays behind the line of scrimmage, which says quite simply to me he was getting there slower than someone as athletic as him should be getting there, and if Shanahan makes Campbell think it's over, like he, he just can't do it.
1: So I, I get, I'm taking a, a quick gander here. I mean, I, I will say that like Anzalone and, and Derek Barnes made, it made some plays last week. Um, Anzalone like those, can
2: cover. That's the, yeah. that's probably who they're going to try to get on Kittle most of the time, but it's the, the problem for the, for the lions is Jack Campbell's going to get McCaffrey then it's like which, whichever one you put uh anzalone and i guess maybe Barnes has a way to stay on it maybe they maybe they really do maybe the lions really do have a way of hiding campbell i just uh i think they better or <laughs> they're in trouble
1: yeah cuz campbell was only targeted uh 17 times this year gave up 11 catches for 107 yards and a touchdown quarterback rating of 108 pulling that number from our wonderful player pages on on rotowire.com but um, yeah, to, to your point, like he—he's clearly like the—the the one that you'd want to go after uh, of that linebacking group, as far as um, coverage is concerned. No, no question there.
2: Yeah, so I—I I very much expect uh, Shanahan to make special note of of where Campbell is and, and have plays specifically for targeting him. Yes,
1: but as much as I like Gansaloni uh, as a um, as a cover guy, I, but there's an image that sticks in my brain from the wild card game where. He wanted no part of Puka Nakua when when Nakua was coming down with the ball and like Anzalone was <laughs> theoretically lined up to. to crush I guess him, he's been hurt Nakua so many times
2: him. that he maybe he made a business decision. Or like Anzalone's been on IR for like seven years in a row before uh, the last year and a half.
1: Great hair, great hair on that guy. Um, let's see. Um, let's flip it over. Um, how do the Lions proceed offensively?
2: Huh. <sighs> I don't have so much for you there, John. Um, <laughs> I think in a way it's like they just have to they have to make this a war of attrition a little bit because you can't do a shootout against the four like I don't think Purdy is capable of shooting it out in the sense of going over 30 pass attempts regularly, but against this defense and with the level of help that he has, both with the personnel and the play calling. Purdy could hang four touchdowns on the lions in like 25 pass attempts. Mm -hmm. And the lions, if, if that happens, cannot throw the ball to catch back up. They, maybe there is some, you know, up, up tempo, you know, no huddle way they can run back, but that's not easy to do. Running is, is better more so for uh, maintaining conditions or, or, you know, introducing a certain like level of stability to the offense. And in the case of the lion's, I think what they need is is they need the anomalous you know turnover to for the 49ers get some lead and then go into their shell immediately and just try to hold on to the ball until the, the, the clock runs out basically because mm-hmm. if they have to try to match punches with the 49ers it'll just turn into a laugher
1: yeah that that is my concern you know you, you mentioned the the possibility of uh old goof uh showing up in this one and against a, a Niners defense that's loaded at every level it's 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 tough to see where the Lions have a ton of of success on offense, and then with, with the advantage that the Niners have with their offense, um, you know, it kind of leads me to to land on on the uh, on the Niners covering this one. And I think I'll, I'll take the under. Also, I think we're we're seeing this one continue to climb. Um, it, it's at 51 and a half. I think basically the Niners hold up their end of the bargain as far as that equation goes, but I, I think in the end. Um, we, we see the, the Lions offense kind of sputter out, and uh, therefore, we, we see this one go under.
2: I will say, I think for the Lions offense to get what they need, uh, obviously enough, they need to get something like 30 carries to Montgomery and Gibbs. I'm not going to say that uh, it'll be easy sledding for either. I don't think it will be, but it's it's one of those facts. It's just like, if you can't find a way to make these carry counts get this high, you're not getting the budget that you need to, to to match the sum of the other team. But what what the what the lines really could also use is like a one of those Vrabel plays, you know? Like they they really could use like some kind of trick, uh some some low cunning, you might even say, to, to just get the 49ers in a situation where they're not ready, get points that you in a way don't deserve, and then just saying you know, tough luck. We're still sitting on the ball. And so if there's anyone that can give the lions that play, it seems to me like it's Jamison Williams. So um, if Ben Johnson has some secret trick shot that he's been waiting all his time to use, he's got to use it here and maybe Gibbs downfield. I guess that's the other way. Like maybe, maybe, maybe he thinks he can get Gibbs on a, even if it's like Greenlaw or Warner, they might not be able to run with him, you know, 10 yards or something. Maybe Gibbs uh, does a wheel route, fly route kind of thing where he gets open for the big play but they need that big play downfield uh even if they have to you know do a flea flicker to get it
1: yeah i do expect to to kind of see the the full bag of tricks uh emptied here for for the lions i, I could see them uh you know doing some funky stuff in, in the red zone as well if they get there yeah they that do was, that yeah so we notably uh, against the cowboys I um, remember when <laughs> and there is uh i think didn't they like get like a game-winning fourth down conversion throwing it to Pene Sewell one time?
2: Probably. I mean, he's uh Sewell's gotta be a matchup nightmare for
1: 300 plus pounders. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, but bottom line here, I unfortunately expect this game to to be fairly clearly the, the 49ers in control throughout.
2: Yeah, uh this is this could kind of be uh you know Death Star versus stupid little planet kind of thing would uh, love to be wrong but uh i i think this could be a surprisingly easy
1: game for the 49ers our guy anthony uh is kind of in line with us here where we'd love to see some jameson williams he does need to show up uh definitely
2: downfield too like they need they need that uh that Jordan Addison touchdown against Trevarius Ward. They 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 need mm. some player who has no business beating the guy ahead of him to 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 somehow make it happen anyway, even if it's like one out of a thousand kind of thing. Like you need that one to happen right now.
1: I I want to see it from Jameson Williams so badly cuz it I, mean, I think he's
2: good. It's goof. Yeah. We remember John, always blame goof. Um especially when it's one of our uh you know priors uh that that we're
1: high on. Yeah, we we need some confirmation of our priors um, and and my prior prior to James Williams hurting his knee in the national championship game is this guy's unbelievable. Um, so see if that can, can come to fruition. Finally, um, before we sign off here, let let's uh, let's grab a couple coaching items, let's start things off. I, I think a lot of people want us to start with Harbaugh, but no, Let's go to the Panthers. What do you th- what do you make of that hire with with uh, Canales? Excuse me.
2: Uh, I think Canales did a really good job with the Buccaneers last year. Uh, I thought it was a little weird the way they stuck with Trey Palmer all year in the slot, but I guess if I if I could ask Canales like what what the reason was and if he gave the answer of uh, I simply wanted speed under the safety to keep the safeties back that would make enough sense cuz Palmer is you know the 435 guy or whatever and um from the slot no one can press you uh, so if you send if you send Palmer doing a bunch of distance running that makes enough sense to me as long as you know you're clearing you doing it to clear out space for Evans and Godwin and stuff so if that was his reasoning i'd say like oh yeah that makes perfectly good sense and uh, certainly the results were good certainly you can look at his results and simply conclude this guy's got to be an above average play caller, you know, uh, press Taylor is not getting Baker Mayfield to 30 touchdowns. It's just, it's a, it's a joke of a suggestion. And yet canal has found a way to make it happen. So being better than, you know, press Taylor or whatever other goof doesn't mean you're good, but we know he can only be so bad at the very least. And if he had gotten more than one year as an offensive coordinator, maybe canal could have shown, you know, more of what he can do, but maybe, uh, you know, someone, uh, a, a friend pointed out to me that, uh, there's a chance that Canales took this Panthers job, even though it looks kind of like a death, it uh, kind of, it looks like a death trap. It is a death trap it, and Canales took that job. Um, the reason he did it anyway might be that Canales was worried that Baker Mayfield year two, uh, has a bit of regression that, uh, and, you know, in the stink left, uh, blamed uh, on Canales, uh, just because that's how
1: things usually go. Yeah, get out while you're uh, hot. Yeah,
2: yeah. So maybe he's getting to the Panthers, and maybe, um, maybe the the you know, I guess it can't get worse there. But man, I do not remember a team uh, being in such a difficult position as them. And uh, I I somehow doubt that if the the Panthers, for instance, go, you know, six and uh, crap, what would it be? Six and twenty eight. six and 28 or something over the next two years uh if that happens am i supposed to believe david tepper is going to be like no be patient everyone dave we talked about this with dave we told him at the start like hey this is going to be a tough you know rebuild we need to be patient we need to give you at least three years i i somehow doubt that's the case so if if it goes that badly which there would be a perfectly good set of excuses for you know things are really that bad the personnel really is that bad canales is going to get blamed for it and I guess you could forgive the guy for looking around the league at these these coaches like McCarthy and uh, whoever else and, and, and think like, oh, well, if I get fired, that's no big deal. If, if anything, it apparently means I'll get another head coaching job not long later. Um, I don't know if it works that way for someone of his uh, level of tenure. You know, it's like McCarthy at least road uh the packers quarterbacks to like a 10-year stint or whatever it's like canales has one year now and maybe two with the panthers before you know tepper or some some collection of people are gonna be like you know you should have done better than this we you know the gm is gonna be like i, I drafted good players so it must have been you dude you know that that's the way these things are gonna go
1: tinfoil hat for a second do you yes. think it's, it's possible that canales could lure mike evans to go with him
2: why would he do that to a friend? Um, <laughs> someone that means so much <laughs> i uh, I guess he could uh, the panthers the Panthers could use it, absolutely anything, honestly. like they they suck. Their personnel is trash, and um their defense is gonna get really bad without uh, Edgerow everrow there. So yeah, <laughs> if he can get Evans there, he should try. I, I guess it just seems
1: like. Uh, <laughs> Bryce Young to be the, the the first guy to fail to get Mike Evans a thousand yards. Oh God, yeah, it's a
2: foregone conclusion.
1: Yeah, if uh,
2: <laughs> I mean you, you look at the numbers to all the pass catches in that offense, aside from Thielen and to a lesser extent DJ Chark. It's like after if you remove those two, the Panthers are completing like forty six percent of their passes for like five yards or something. It's crazy. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's brutal and uh yeah they're not even gonna have feeling really next year not not in the form that he was this year he's gonna be another bit older so uh if canela's got assured somehow that he's he's gonna get three years you know then then if he's as good as he you know might be he should be able to do something in that amount of time but you got no first round pick you got the worst quarterback probably in the league and you kind of are going to be told to stick with him specifically like you're this isn't like going to be like a thing where you can come in and just get rid of Young right away. He's got to. He's going to have to try to use a player that everyone knows should not be on the field. So that seems difficult to me. Yeah, there's like, all right, fix it. You fix Baker, fix it, fix um, it, so. but don't do anything you need to fix it. If that makes sense.
1: Right. Right. No, yeah. And we'll fire you if you can't out the, the riddle there. Yeah. So um, kudos to him for for getting the OC job and.
2: Did a great you know, job last year.
1: He really did. Yeah. No, but absolutely, but um that that was everyone's like lowest on the on their power rankings um of uh, excuse me, coaching vacancies, so uh, a little bit tough to
2: uh He's probably who the Falcons should have tried to get or you know, assuming they couldn't get Ben Johnson or some some other player uh, some other coach uh, good on the offensive side of the ball, but uh yeah, I hope Canales as well. I just would be pretty surprised i'd be uh, really 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 surprised if bryce young can prove to be anything better than like the 25th best quarterback in the league or something
1: as would i um let's move on over to the chargers which which was characterized by by most to be the most desirable of the uh head coach openings because they have their quarterback situation figured out um and that's all locked up but there's obviously some cap concerns as well that will have to be worked out with the new uh gm but what do you make of, of harbaugh going there
2: i don't know man i uh there there was a time where i i held harbaugh in very high esteem as an nfl coach but there's been a lot of weird stuff going on around him for a long time now and i I don't personally have the sense you would probably have a better sense following college football more closely than me but I don't have a sense of whether he's kind of like a a goof now like if if he's gone a little uh, glitchy somehow relative to before but if he is the 49ers coach you know just just back with the Chargers now safe to say that would be quite a bit better than what soy boy was at coach and uh, Harbaugh already showed he can win with freaking Trent bulky as his GM. So I don't know how bad it, it would need to be for the chart. You know, even, even Tom Telesco might not have been able to stop Harbaugh from winning, uh, mm-hmm. especially if he's the same guy from back when, but I don't know what to make of it. And I, I especially it's, it's a, uh, it's not a question mark for me, but a, a like a, a major concern for me that apparently they're looking at uh, Greg Roman as offensive coordinator, uh, Roman was with the 49ers and he may well uh, at at the time had a collection of plays for Colin Kaepernick that were, that allowed Kaepernick to be uniquely effective at the time. But Greg Roman since that time has shown exactly zero ability to adjust or expand on any given theme. You know, it's like he, he found a collection of buttons that got good results for a time. And now no matter how much time passes or how much defenses adjust to what he used to do, He's still pressing the same buttons and just crossing his fingers, like oh God. I hope it goes better than the last ten years, but it it won't. And I don't think it really matters what personnel he has. He already showed with Lamar Jackson, two time MVP Lamar Jackson, that he can't make the offense go. That's Greg Roman for like the past ten years, right? So, so if I, I feel they hire like... him, then I, I mean, I would say something like it can't get worse than you know what Lombardi and Staley were doing, but I think it can. I think Greg Roman really can make it worse, and if they try to if, if they do the stuff that he's been doing, it's not gonna it's just not gonna help. You know, it's it it won't because for the Kaepernick Roman offense to work, you need Kaepernick, and Herbert is not running for a thousand yards. So uh, no. they better figure something out.
1: It's almost like Roman to use another uh, like baseball analogy, like you could be like the opener. Like it, it seems like the first year on any of his given stops go really well. And then it just immediately gets figured out the the following year, like 2019, Baltimore, like that was insane. And then it was just frustration for for the following three years. Um, you know, he gets Tyrod Taylor to to the playoffs in Buffalo, and then you know things get stale. Um, you know, similar deal with uh with the Niners, although kind of hit fuzzy on on how that ultimately unfolded it to uh to Jim Tomsula and all that, but. Um, yeah, I, I think we're in agreement that that uh, going after Roman would, would be uh, a reason for concern as, as to um, your expectations for Harbaugh in, in his next uh, stint as an NFL coach. I, I will say that like the track record for Harbaugh speaks for itself. I mean, yeah. it's, pre- it's pretty unreal. Like he, he made Stanford great. Uh, he made the, the Niners uh, amazing as well and kind of like revolutionary in the early part of last decade. Uh, turned Michigan you know they they were down so bad when that when like the they were at the end of the Brady Hoke era immediately gets them to a, i think a New Year's Six bowl uh in his first year at, at Michigan and then obviously wins the national title this year goes to the playoff three years in a row so the, the guy can win um yeah but it, it, it's been so long now that that he's been at the college level that that I do kind of wonder um is he a college how it's going to yeah, that's that's kind of my, my concern there, because, you know, he was at Stanford for a, a good amount of time, but not like a, a super uh, long time like th- this was definitely his, his longest tenure. And it's because he's a Michigan guy and everything. So uh, I guess I he know. already
2: right. did it once. And, right. uh, you know, uh, Pete Carroll did that kind of thing. So uh, I'm also still crossing my fingers that our uh, my, my, my idol chip kelly eventually makes his his journey back to the nfl to 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 crush the haters um but uh yeah since harbaugh already came from stanford to the nfl and and was almost exactly as successful in the nfl as he was in college uh maybe we don't need to worry about this being you know more like a scenario maybe maybe it more is pete carroll and the prior case of harbaugh
1: yeah uh, optimistic but We'll also, uh,
2: coordinator hires
1: with with Herbert.
2: It should be kind of just easy to compete. I'm sorry, like I, I know he's gotten a lot of criticism the last two years. I personally don't really share much of the skepticism of him. I, I feel like Herbert's first two seasons earn him like, <clears throat> excuse me, like five years of benefit of the doubt. Uh, especially when it you know, f- f- like 5100 yards and 38 touchdowns or whatever as a second year player. Like, come on. It, it, nobody does that and uh i think or no one other than mahomes does that i guess so mm-hmm. uh yeah i i at the very least want to see herbert with a with a vaguely competent assemblage of uh supporting cast at the, the route running positions and uh coach you know head coach offensive coordinator so uh, the offensive coordinator part wouldn't be a possibility if roman is the higher but maybe maybe harbaugh just kind of um i don't know by what by what mechanism this would happen but maybe harbaugh has a way to just kind of uh make his own idea of an offense uh occur and more so leave roman to sort of just uh you know rev up the engine rather than you know build the thing himself and uh maybe roman won't be able to screw that up at least given you know the harbaugh and the herbert parts of that
1: yeah good good point so what yeah, very fascinated by by, by how this goes. They're
2: going to need I, to sign a running back and draft a running back uh, if they're not keeping Eckler, especially. But you know, even if Herbert stays throwing it 650 plus times, they're going to run it a lot more
1: than they have in forever. Oh, no, no question about it. Like that, that's that's definitely in in his DNA. People
2: are already. Can you imagine how mad people are going to be when that when it happens? You know, like Carbaugh. It's so stupid running the ball this much. Doesn't he know that? Well,
1: well they won, but uh, it was still wrong to do that. Yeah, they're getting like five yards of carry as a team. It's like, oh, this is bad. This is a bad process. Um, I think that's going to wrap it up for us here on this edition of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, for conference championship weekend should be a great one. Big thanks to our sponsors over at Circa for their big game parties and at FanDuel, and of course, our friends over at Blue Wire. Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Enjoy the games this weekend, and thanks for listening.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.